All right, turn your Bibles to John chapter 20. Uh, we're going to be uh, in 19, chapter 19, but I want to start in chapter 20 for just a minute. As most of you know, uh, I'm not a, a super big fan of traditions. Um, uh, it gets me in trouble sometimes because some of you are, including my wife. But uh, the traditions that I like are those that actually seem to have a purpose in my mind found in Scripture. And so if you've got a good memory, you'll remember that we started the Gospel of John in September. In fact, it was on 9-11, uh, 2022 to be exact, when we started all that. And as I planned it all out, I tried to line it up so that chapter 20, which is all about the resurrection, would be on April 9th, um, Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. That worked, which means that everything else had to fall into place. And that also means that we're not going to be very traditional today for Palm Sunday. Uh, I've actually gotten in trouble. We had one couple uh, family leave the church a while back because we didn't do anything for Palm Sunday. So, Sorry, I'm not going to meet your expectations today. You can just wave a few palms and it's Palm Sunday. But the reality is that was in John chapter 12. What chapter are we in? We're in 19 today. So there's 10 weeks between there, so, which means we've been in Holy Week through from, you know, that's when triumphal entry starts, Palm Sunday, to Easter for 10 different weeks. That's a, a fairly long timeline. So uh, let's do this. Uh, let's put a timeline up there for a moment, just to remind you. So Sunday, Palm Sunday, triumphal entry comes in on a donkey. The people are expecting him to be their king, their Messiah, but not in the exact way that they expected. Uh, so right after that, and be, in fact, I think it's on either Palm Sunday or it might be on Monday, but there's a whole fig tree story where Jesus curses the fig tree, then he explains it to them. At the same time, I, you know, if you're just reading it for just face value, you'd think Jesus is having a bad day. Because he curses the fig tree, he goes into the temple and throws over all the tables, and it's just, uh, that's some intense stuff. There's that side of Jesus and the holiness that we don't always think about. Tuesday, all this questioning, and there's a lot of this teaching going on too, that we get in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, not in John. And then Wednesday, Judas betrays Jesus, which then leads to a very special conversation that we've been unpacking where Jesus meets with his disciples in the upper room and says, here's what's happening. And then we get his special prayer in chapter 17. Uh, we call it the, um, the uh, high priestly prayer. Monday, Thursday, shares the last supper with disciples, and then he's arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. That leads us to Good Friday. That's where we're going to be today. He tried, he was tried, and put to death, crucifixion, his body's laid in a tomb. They call it Silent Saturday because nothing happens. His body's laying there. But then, spoiler alert, he's risen from the dead on Easter, on that Sunday morning. We know it as Easter Sunday. John, well, let's see, oh, actually, I want to show you one more map. There you go. If you notice, the one is over here on the right is the Bethany where he uh, had spent some time with uh, Lazarus and Mary and Martha comes in, goes to the upper room. They believe it to be somewhere over there. There's some different, um, we don't know that for a fact. Out to the Garden of Gethsemane that night on Thursday night. And then in, uh, where's four? Anna's house. And then over to Caiaphas and, and the Sanhedrin. Up to Pilate, then to Herod, back to Pilate, then to Golgotha. Uh, and then to Joseph's tomb. Uh, the word Calvary is actually the Latin for Golgotha. That was kind of the, the way that it ended up being translated. That was new to me this week. I'd never heard that before. So that's where we get the name Calvary from. 
John tells the story differently than Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are what they call the synoptic gospels. John's got a very pointed way of he wants us to see this about Jesus, and we're going to see that in chapter 20 here in just a second. In chapter 19, John tells the story of Jesus' death and his burial. Chapter 20 tells us all about the resurrection. I want to pause for a moment and ask you this. Not, not what, in fact, we all know the what. If you've grown up in church, you know that Jesus was died, buried, resurrected. You know the what. I want to ask you the why. Why in the world is all this so important? Ever play that game Jenga? Stack up all the blocks and get it up pretty high and then you take turns um, knocking out the planks until you get that that one player that thinks they can do it all, and so they knock it over in one shot. But uh, the goal is that it's not going to fall over when you pull out the block. I'm convinced right now that Christianity in the Western world is having a Jenga moment. The world is trying to knock out that one piece that will make the whole thing fall down. Maybe let me say it another way. I'm convinced right now that all of Christianity in the Western world is having a Peter moment. Remember back in chapter 18 where the servant girl comes to him and he's getting into uh, Anna's house and it says, you are also, are, you also are not one of this man's disciples, are you? And Peter's response was, no. And then a few minutes, just not very long later, someone also says to him, you also are not one of his disciples, are you? And then we finish in the middle of 18 with the friend of the soldier whose ear Peter cut off says to him, did, did I not see you in the garden with him? And what was Peter's response? No, I, I don't know him. I, I'm not with him. No, 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 no. And denied him three times. I feel like the world is saying some of the same things to us. You, you don't believe that Jesus stuff, do you? You aren't one of those people, are you? Those Christians are just a bunch of bigots and haters. All they care about is right-wing politics. You don't really believe all that, do you? I mean, seriously, you can't tell me that stuff is true. In fact, if you believe that, you're on the wrong side of history. That's messed up. In fact, it's so messed up, we can't be in a relationship anymore if you're going to follow Jesus. I can't deal with you or be around you. You can't work here if you believe that. Your kids can't be around my kids. You're not welcome here anymore. And on and on it goes. And if you think that that's distant from us, don't be surprised, it's around the corner. More and more and more of that's going to happen to us. I'm prophesying that. <laughs> Call me a false prophet, but it's going to get worse and worse. And the question is, what do we do? Compromise? Courage. Do we, do we bolt or do we believe? My dear brothers and sisters, everything we believe rides on these two chapters, John 19 and John 20. Everything we believe rides on the whole book, but if you don't believe these two chapters, the rest of the book of John is useless. 
which would also mean that the other Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, are useless, which would then mean that the rest of the New Testament is useless. And while you're at it, go ahead and throw away the Old Testament as well. So why did John give us all this? We've been saying it over and over again. Go to the end of chapter 20, verse 31. He says, but these are written so that you may what? Believe. What? Believe what? That Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, we get what? Life in his name. That's identity. That is purpose. Everything rides on these two chapters. So I ask you this morning, do you believe? Do you believe? We're going to read verses 16 down through 42. And then I'm going to ask you that question again. Do you believe? Last week, Pastor Darrell walked us through the end of 18 to uh, down to verse 16. Jesus with Pilate in front of the, uh, the high priests, the, the Jewish leaders, and before Pilate, before the soldiers, and then even described that whole interaction where, uh, in a sense, we're Barabbas because Barabbas was set free and Jesus died in his place, which is true for you and for me. I encourage you to come back in a few weeks. Pastor Mike is going to walk us in through John 21, the week after Easter. So let's read it together. I'm just going to read down through the whole passage, and then I'm just going to make a few highlights and we'll be done today. Verse 16. So he delivered him over to them to be crucified. It was Pilate delivering him over to them to be crucified. And they took Jesus, and he went out bearing his own cross to the place called the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. Many say it looked like a skull, that's the, the mountainside. They were crucified with him. There they crucified him, and with him, two others, one on either side, and Jesus between them, the two thieves. Pilate also wrote an inscription, put it on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. Well, many of the Jews read this inscription for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. It was written in Aramaic and Latin and in Greek. So the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, do not write the king of the Jews, but rather this man said, I am king of the Jews. And Pilate answered, what I've written, I'm written. Well, then I'm not going to change it. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and divided them into four parts. One part for each soldier, also his tunic, but the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said to one another, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to see whose it shall be. They were going to roll the dice to see who's going to get it. This was to fulfill the scripture which says, they divided my garments among them and for my clothing they cast lots. So the soldiers did these things. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved, John, Standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, 
Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there. So they put a sponge full of sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. He bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Since it was the day of preparation, and so that the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who had been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear. And at once there came out blood and water. He who saw it has borne witness. His testimony is true. And he knows that he is telling the truth that you also may believe. For these things took place that the scripture might be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And again, another scripture says, they will look on him whom they have pierced. After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took away his body. Nicodemus also, who earlier had come to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds in weight. And they took, so they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen cloths with the spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. So because of the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. Today I'm purposefully avoiding creative words with some outline or some alliteration or rhyming. Or I'm just trying to tell you the story as it is with just a few straightforward statements about Jesus. First, he was willing to suffer. When we go back up to verse 17, it says, and he went out bearing his own cross. I think that word, that phrase, bearing his own cross, it, it just kind of summarizes all the suffering that he experienced. The beatings, the crown of thorns, the whippings. There are those that have put together kind of a medical understanding of, of what took place for the whole crucifixion. It's just horrific. The nails through his hands and his feet. But I think what grabs my attention even more than the physical suffering is what took place the night before. We jump over to Matthew 26 to just read this. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. 
He said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Our Savior was willing to suffer. And we need reminded of that. He was also humiliated. He was mocked. He was scorned. Go back up to verse 18. It says, there they crucified him and with him two others. I mean, these, these are just criminals. And that's what he was put with them. Crucified right alongside people who deserved it. He didn't. One on either side and Jesus between them. Pilate then writes this inscription. He says, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. What they would normally do is, is they would put on this plaque, this inscription, the crime they committed. So that when people would come by and say, oh, that's, you, you get crucified for doing that? I guess I'm not doing that. And he puts king of the Jews. We read how many of the Jews read this description, inscription for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. It was written in Aramaic and Latin and Greek. So the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, do not write the king of the Jews, but rather this man said, I am king of the Jews. And Pilate answered, what I've written, I've written. It just feels just so humiliating. So no respect whatsoever. I mean, he's the king of kings. And he's being mocked. Truth is, third one, he fulfilled Old Testament prophecy. Sometimes I, I just I struggle in my mind how, how all this fits together, but we read in verse 24, so they said to one another, let us not tear it, these are the soldiers about this tunic, but cast lots for it to see whose it shall be. This was to fulfill the scripture, which says, they divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. That's Psalm 22:18, a fulfillment of Psalm 22:18. Jump down to verse 28. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill scripture, I thirst. A fulfillment of Psalm 69, 21. Then verses 36 and 37. For these things took place that the scripture might be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. You know what that's a reference to? In Exodus 12 and Numbers 9, the Passover lamb was not to have any broken bones. Jesus is our Passover lamb. And then, verse 37, again, another scripture says, they will look on him whom they have pierced. And that's a reference from Zechariah 12, verse 10. He fulfills scripture. But also, another straightforward truth is that he really did die. Verse 33, but when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once there came out blood and water. And then we get verse 35. He who saw it has borne witness, has testified, and his testimony is true. He knows that he is telling the truth. Why? That you also, who's the you there? Anyone reading the book of John, anyone reading it, that you also may do what? What's it say there? May believe. 
This is truth. The world doesn't want you to believe it to be true, but it is true. He died. Again, straightforward. He was buried in a tomb. Joseph of Arimathea, a disciple, follower of Jesus, wanted to take care of the body. Who helped him out? Nicodemus. I just think that's the coolest thing. Nicodemus had come to him, and now he's, that's a lot of spices, by the way, 70 pounds. I mean, this is Costco size here. This is a lot. Verse 40, they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen cloths with the spice. Which, by the way, I was reading in the first service as I read this passage out loud. I was like, oh. He was wrapped in what? Swaddling clothes, linen clothes, and lied in a manger. Now he's put in linen cloths and put in a grave. With the spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews, in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, in that garden a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. So because of the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. Care, dignity, sadness. He was buried. I want you to see one more. We're going to jump back up in the passage. He loved people. Verse 25. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother, Mary, and his mother's sister. We don't know her name. But then you get another Mary, the wife of Clopas, and another Mary, Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus saw his mother, he's on the cross, sees his mother. And the disciple whom he loved, John, standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Notice, think about it, he couldn't point. He's on the cross. He has to say, woman, behold your son. And he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. I think John wanted us to see Jesus' humanity. That, that earthly relationship that he had with his mom. To, 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 I need my mom to be taken care of. John, you're my guy, take care of her. We see many other places where Jesus loved the little children and Jesus loved his disciples and he, he loved. Come on up, Helen, if you want. We're gonna sing a song together, but I wanna ask you this question first. Why did Jesus love? How does he love? It's because he's one with the Father, and the Father loves. They love together. Be a little awkward if God loves us and Jesus doesn't, <laughs> or the other way around. In Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus, he says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For most, if not all of you, I didn't say one thing that was new today. But that doesn't mean that what we read was unimportant or trivial. In fact, it's absolutely foundational to everything we believe. And so I ask you again, do you believe? 
Will you keep believing? Will you believe when your boss asks you whether you believe that Jesus was real or not? Will you believe when your neighbor mocks the teachings of Jesus? Will you keep believing when our government makes it illegal to hold a biblical standard for marriage and sexuality? Will you still believe when your kids fall away from your faith? When your loved ones move away from following Jesus? Will you follow? Will you believe when you suffer? When you struggle with sin? When you're impacted by the sins of others? Will you still believe? I read it again. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Would you bow your heads? And we're gonna, we're gonna do this again. In fact, we're gonna keep doing stuff like this. So just kind of be prepared. Would a few of you just lead out and, and finish this statement, something along the lines of, thank you for this. We believe this. What if you just either one, both and, let's just respond to this passage with some, some verbal prayers. Would, would some of you just kind of lead out? Father, we thank you for this. We believe this.